I'm Jack Kennedy. And they hit a lot harder in my opinion too. What is up everybody? My name is Caelan McNamara and everyone's got a plan until they get hit with my views. I am Hunter Boss. He just wanted to go to the distance by the looks of it. He couldn't even do that. And this is the MMA Island Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the MMA Island Podcast. I am Jack Kennedy alongside Keelan McNamara and Hunter Boss. A loaded episode ahead of us today. Uh, we will be talking about a great fight night coming up, uh, predicting the main event. Anderson Silva debuted in, not debuted, but fought again in boxing and won. It was amazing to watch, amazing to see. Uh, Connor versus Dustin, a little, we're going to be talking about our favorite fights from them to get hyped up for UFC 264 coming our way very soon and some great fan questions that you guys have sent in we will be answering them let's go ahead and get started hunter main event prediction for this upcoming fight night i love cyril Ghana in this matchup but but i think alexander volkov has what it takes to take him down here i think alexander volkov last time we saw him he looked like a whole nother fighter he looked powerful every strike he threw the jab cross hooks, uppercuts, anything he threw looked like it could knock anyone out. You know, he was big and he's always had the striking ability, but he didn't always have the finishing ability. Like if you saw in the Derek Lewis fight, he had, he had plenty of opportunities to, to knock out Derek Lewis and he landed fantastic shots, but for some reason he just couldn't put Derek Lewis away. And then Derek Lewis ended up coming back in the last minute, but um, he was one of that whole fight. I think Volkov has a striking technique and just overall knowledge of the game to be able to outpoint Cyril Gane in this match. And I see maybe a third round knockout happening. Ladies and gentlemen, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, we did a thing called the UFC draft. The first one That's we've ever course. done. Uh, you have, yeah. And who would like to realize who I picked as my heavyweight pick? One Cyril Gan. And there's a very good reason I picked Cyril Gann. It's because I believe he's one of the best and I believe he can go up against the best and he can beat the best. And I think that starts with a win over Alexander Volkov this weekend. Alexander Volkov is a great heavyweight. He always has been. And he's looked like an even more rejuvenated heavyweight since he got his back piece finished. Funny enough, weird coincidence. I think maybe not. No, but no seriousness, Volkov's looked amazing. Even in the Lewis fight, as Hunter just said, he did look really, really good. And he was winning that fight comfortably up until, well, we know how that ended. But Cyril Gann's a completely different prospect at heavyweight. And he's a prospect unlike any other heavyweight out there. He is fast. He has a great gas tank. He can strike. He's a French Savate kickboxer. He is expert in pressurizing heavyweights and getting his punch to them before they get to him. And I see him outpointing Alexander Volkov here. Now, as much as I'm a big fan of Volkov and everybody knows how much I respect Volkov, I respect him a lot. He does not like being put on the back foot. He does not like having to chase fights. And I think that's what Cyril Gann's going to make him do this weekend. I think Cyril Gann's going to go out. He's going to set the tempo early on, and I think he's going to get a decision or a late stoppage. I believe in Cyril Gann. I think the hype's real, and I think that starts with a big, big win over a very big uh, wall mount in Alexander Volkov. That is interesting. I'm leaning more towards Hunter on this one, actually. I, I like I like Volkov in this matchup, and it's weird because I really shouldn't. I should lean towards Gain based off of 
everything that I've seen him do in the UFC so far. I think he does have the skills to get it done. I think he has the wrestling to get it done. I think he overall is probably the better fighter overall compared to Volkov. But since, like you said, we've seen Volkov get the back tattoo, he has been unbelievable. Um, him beating Walt Harris the way he did in that beautiful uh, teep kick to the liver and then him being Alistair Overeem. And by the way, yes, Alistair Overeem did just get cut, but we cannot say Alistair Overeem is a bad opponent by any stretch. He was actually on a winning streak going into Volkov, and the only fight he had lost before that was that last-second lockout to Zardinia Rosenstruck, which, by the way, he was winning all of that fight up until that point. So Alistair Overeem was no slouch opponent, and Volkov pieced him up. Um, Volkov is looking very good. He's looking very sharp. I think Gain has um, tremendous ability on the feet, but I think Volkov will be too much. I think he's sitting down on his punches now and throwing with intent, and I think that's dangerous. Um, I like the way that Volkov is just his mindset right now, the way he's going forward in most of his fights and everything. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I the the one thing that does make me a little bit on the fence for this pick is the wrestling. I do think Gain does have a significant advantage there. And if he does decide to mix in the clinch work and use his great knees and stuff, I think that could be interesting. But overall, I think Volkov is just so technical and so precise on the feet that I could see around four knockout uh, TKO for Volkov just by the, the uh, amount of shots piled up. Um, and they both have, they both have had main events now. So that's not really a factor necessarily. Uh, Gain has gone five rounds, but that five round fight that he did go, it was 100% at his pace and not too much happened. If he does try and do that there, one, Volkov always enforces his pace on the fight most of the times. So the pace of that fight is going to be very fascinating to see. Um, and the other thing is too, when they're in there, is Gain going to be able to keep up with the volume that Volkov does throw and, and counter with his own volume going on there? Because Gain does like to throw a lot. But whenever you're getting heat thrown back at you, it's going to be interesting because Rosenstruck really didn't throw that much back at him um, whenever he was fighting in the main event. Volkov will throw back at him for sure. And if not throw back at him, be the one going forward. So how does uh, Gain counter? That's going to be very fascinating to see. I just think there's more question, a little bit more questions going into to Gain going into this one, which is why I'm choosing Volkov. But really, realistically, if you're, I mean, if you're betting on this fight, I would, I would not be upset with Gain. Um, because it makes sense, which is why I, Keelan's standpoint is 100% accurate. So um, I'm going to stick with Volkov, uh, but it's a very close fight. It's a very good uh, heavyweight main event. A lot of implications on this one. I'm very much looking forward to, to watching it. I hear you. I hear you. You know, gain is not a bad option, that's for sure. It's just he's so new to the UFC that we don't really know exactly what he's capable of yet. The sky is the limit for him, really. He can only get better from here. Um, but what we haven't seen yet is how he can recover from getting rocked from a good shot. I feel like we haven't seen a, a serious shot be landed on him yet in a UFC fight. And that get that fight against Jorginho Rosenstruck, he didn't really eat many strikes from him. Uh, his last two fights before that, uh, I mean, he was he battled through a little bit of adversity, but not enough that Volkov will put him through. I feel like Volkov has what it takes to land the precision strikes, and along with his new power. It's just going to be a nightmare matchup for Gon right now. I think the only way Gon could win is by points, so it would have to go to unanimous decision. I don't see Gon stopping Volkov. I think Volkov is very durable, and I think Gon doesn't hit as hard as the other heavyweights hit. I feel like – I know he did knock out Junior DeSantos, but the elbow was – I hate to say questionable because I it's just – it was in a really weird spot. You know, it was, 
it's a pressure point on the head where it, it would put anyone down. So I want to see him if, if, if gone wants to prove himself in the UFC, he's got to knock out Volkov here. And that's his way to the title shot. You know, if he, if he steps up and does a fantastic performance, I feel like he cuts the line almost a, for, for a lot of different fighters. I mean, he's ranked, I think number five, right? Number six, maybe I think number six, uh, but maybe four, um, but Volkov's five. But if he does beat Volkov in an impressive fashion, he could definitely get a title shot coming up here because UFC loves their undefeated champions and Cyril Gane is 8-0. and So uh, sadly, I don't think that's going to be the outcome here. I think Volkov has just a little bit, has better striking and he just has better uh, power behind it. I feel like uh, Cyril Gane has very technical strikes, but Volkov can just put away his opponents faster. And I feel like that's going to be the outcome of this fight. Volkov putting away, uh, 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 why am I forgetting? Gone. So watch out for this fight. It's going to be a very fun fight, I feel like. I think it's going to be very back and forth, very technical striking. I think the footwork in this fight is going to be immaculate. So watch the ground, but don't forget to watch the hands because it's going to be fast. Yeah, um, one point I do actually want to address before I move on to my further validation of Cyril Gunn is the Junior DeSantis knockout. And I'm glad you mentioned it, Hunter, because I think it's more of a positive that we should be giving him rather than a negative. I mean, I've seen a few people say, you know, he hit the pressure spot and that's what put DeSantis out and it would put anybody out. But surely we should be appreciating that he can end the fight with one hit like that. I mean, to hit a pressure point in the middle of a fight is not easy. To have the precision of a Savate fighter, I think is something that should be people should be much more wary of than they actually are. Uh, but on to Alexander Volkov. Um, one concern I do have for Cyril Gan is the size difference, actually. As far as I know, Volkov's like six foot seven, six oh, yeah. eight. And I think he has at least a four inch height difference. It could very well be more. And you know that's going to factor into the fight. If Volkov can sit behind his jab and get off hooks and body shots off of that, then Gan is going to find this very, very difficult. There is no question about this. My problem is with Alexander Volkov is that, oh, all right, we've seen a new Volkov, but his striking in the past has been very sloppy and his defense has been very sloppy off of his striking. He can't afford to switch off for a second against Cyril Gan because whilst I take your point, he is an unknown commodity. That's absolutely true. But for all we know, his Savate kickboxing could be even better than he's already shown. And you cannot give an elite kickboxer half a second with your jaw wide open because he will find a way to finish you. And Volkov has been finished very heavily in the past before as well. So I would wonder how his chin holds up when he actually does get landed on. So it's going to be an interesting fight. I don't see it being a whitewash for one guy over the other. But I'm still on. I'm still on Team Cyril Gan. I think he's going to find a way to get the job done, and I think he's going to upset a lot of the traditional dogs at heavyweight by cutting the line. Yeah, that's a lot of really good points, and I agree with you on basically all of them. Really, uh, I just and maybe it is because of the recent results why I do lean Volkov because Volkov has been on an absolute tear, knocking people out and gain. He's obviously undefeated and on such a great streak, but in his one main event, it was not as spectacular as some might have hoped. That being said, I mean, this fight is most likely going to deliver two heavyweights right here. We just, we were just talking about Rosenstruck versus Blades being booked in 
this fight night being mentioned, I am already excited for it. There's so many good guys in it, um, and it's very exciting. And speaking of some great fights, some legendary fighters transitioning to that, Anderson Silva fought in a boxing fight and won. Unbelievably, unbelievable performance. It went to a split decision, but we all know he did not win a split decision. He won a unanimous mm-hmm. decision, Clear. realistically. Um, that was just a boxing guy upset that an MMA guy came in and won. Uh, but <laughs> it was an unbelievable performance by Anderson Silva. Hunter, what are your thoughts? It's amazing. You know, fighters who transition from MMA to boxing, maybe just get an extra buck, or maybe they just want to see if they can compete at boxing. It's kind of iffy in my head, but this time is my favorite time it's ever happened. You know, Tyron Woodley going over to boxing. Yeah, that's all right. Sure. He's going to fight the YouTuber, but Anderson Silva fought an actual champion. You know, we, 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 we got to realize this and he was, I think 11 years older than him too, which is absolutely insane. That Silva went in there. He looked like his old self. He was out there, you know, he was taunting a little bit. He was up against the ropes. He's like, let's throw down here. Come on right here. You know, everywhere you could see that clip, but Anderson Silva is just an absolute anomaly. You know, he's so much fun to watch and it really brought us back into the good days when he won that fight. I felt like I was watching vintage Anderson Silva back on the screen, which not many people can replicate that feeling. You know, he's such a legend. So to go out there and win the way he did and just to have such a fun time out there, it was one of my like favorite boxing matches just to see because of Anderson Silva was in it and he was winning. So it was a great fight. Uh, I can't believe it went to split decision, which it shouldn't have. Uh, it was a clear unanimous decision, but uh, that just happens for judges, even in boxing, I guess. I know MMA has one of the, some of the worst <laughs> judging. So boxing, I guess, wants to follow too, or I guess the MMA judges followed to the boxing ring. But uh, either way, fantastic to see Anderson Silva back in the win column. Guys, for a year, maybe two years, we've been going through a bit of a dark time as combat sports fans because we've been dragged down the rabbit hole of celebrity boxing, YouTube boxing, these bums fighting bums and then claiming that I'm not even going to get into it because I'm just going to get angry. We all know what we're talking about here. This fight was the single happiest half hour of my boxing life in the last year and a half. Seeing the spider Anderson Silva back in the ring and looking as good as he ever did in his prime with his hands. I can't tell you how happy it made me feel to see Anderson Silva in the ring. And let's let's not play this down. And, you know, I'm a boxing fan as much as I'm a mixed martial arts fan. I think that's very well known at this point. And Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. is not the best world champion there's ever been. I'm not going to sit here and try and say he is but he's a legitimate world title holder in boxing, or he was. He's the son of one of the greatest fighters Mexico, the proud nation of Mexico, has ever produced, the legendary Julio Cesar Chavez. And Anderson Silva dominated him in a boxing ring. I just, I don't know what to say. I was so deeply i don't even care if it was biased or not i was bloody happy to see anderson silva do what he does best you know out striking a world champion in boxing taunting him it was like seeing the octagon in the boxing ring it was just it was a beautiful spectacle for me to see absolutely beautiful so happy with him his boxing looked as good as it ever looked it was clean it was precise he didn't take that much damage you know taunting chavez jr in front of canelo alvarez in front of julio cesar chavez senior who does that 
who goes to Mexico to fight the son of the greatest fighter they've ever produced and then taunt him in the middle of the ring? Anderson Silva does. And you'll remember, I think it was the last episode we did, or if not the episode before, I made my case for Anderson Silva being the greatest combat sports fighter to ever exist. And I stand by that because there's very, very few fighters that we ever see that stay in the sport or continue in the sport as long as they do for the pure love of it. A lot of them are in it for the money. And I'm, that's not a criticism for me. Money's important and perhaps they should get paid more. But how often do we see such an elite fighter continue because he loves his craft and because he loves it and he lives for it? That man is Anderson Silva. And on Saturday night, he really, really put the, the cat amongst the pigeons in the boxing world. Like Hunter just said, and I could not agree with him more. You know, the only reason one judge gave that to Chavez was out of pure spite, nothing more. Anderson Silva completely outboxed the boxer. Easy 78-74 for me. Could have been 75-73. I wouldn't have been mad at it. Anderson, the spider Silva, you've given us one more amazing memory. He is 46 years old. That is just unbelievable that Anderson, the spider Silva, is still delivering uh, you guys nailed it absolutely perfectly. It's just such a great thing to watch Anderson Silva go do his thing, go to work. And it is just unbelievable. He looked like himself out there. He was having fun. I think a large part of it too was he's he's out there in boxing. Whenever you're fighting MMA, especially at his age and everything, and, and already what he's done, and he's still fighting the toughest competition most recently against uh, Uriah Hall. It's so tough because you have to worry about all assets of the game and everything. Whenever he's in boxing, he's able to focus on just the hands and, and the head movement and everything. And that is just, he's able to be himself, so he's able to be comfortable and use his taunting and everything. He just looks so calm, so comfortable, so happy in there. He was truly having a good time. And when Anderson Silva is having a good time, the person he's fighting is having a bad time. And that is what we saw. He is just unbelievable to watch. And whenever you see him, that clip, Hunter, you talk about with that clip where he's just like, let's go, let's go, let's get it. It's unbelievable to watch. And it's still like, that is Anderson Silva. That is unbelievable. What's so shocking, what's so, what's so incredible about this and why I just can't get over it is that he beat a legitimate boxer. He didn't beat a YouTube star turn boxer. He beat a legitimate boxer. And like Keelan said, a former world champion at that. He beat him in front of just some of the, the most ro boxing royalty and everything, did his thing. Just Anderson Silva. He is just, I mean, Jake Paul was even congratulating him. It's like, Jake Paul, you don't want that smoke from Anderson Silva. Like that is after that, you do not want that smoke. So, it is just so great to see an in, in, in MMA star go out there and it's out of the whole circus of everything that's been going on with all the YouTubers and, and MMA finding the YouTuber turned boxer and all of the all of that stuff that's going on. A legitimate boxer versus a legitimate UFC star going at it and then the MMA guy winning, even if the boxer wins it, at least it's a legitimate boxer doing it. It's more respectable than what's going on right now. Just to see all of that and even that is weirdly refreshing in a way. And it's so great to see, of all people, to to see it happen, to, to see Anderson Silva win it amplifies it by 100. It's so great to see um, Anderson Silva back in there, back getting it done. Um, and there's not too much else you can say. It's just so great to see Anderson the Spider Silva, just an absolute legend. And just seeing him out there having a good time is so, so great to see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll just add one thing real quickly, if yeah. I may. A lot of people are forgetting this. Chavez Jr. missed weight. 
He actually yeah. came oh, in overweight yes. by 2.4 right. pounds. Right, right. And he, so not only did Anderson Silva whoop his ass for eight rounds, he also walked away with an extra $100,000 in forfeited prize money too, which I was even more happy about. But on a serious note, you know, I almost, I, I almost did kind of get emotional watching it because Anderson Silva has brought so much to us as combat sports fans. He's brought so much to me as a combat sports fan. And to see him at 46 years of age whooping a world champion boxer, it's just, you know, you know, age may take away your physical abilities. It may take away your speed, your strength, your power, your agility, but it will never, ever take away your heart and your class. Those things last forever. And in Anderson Silva, they will always last forever. I could not have been happier to see him do what he did because Anderson Silva's always been a huge boxing fan and he's wanted this fight for a decade and he finally got it and he vindicated everything. He just looked so, so good. And I just could not be happier for him. Anderson, the spider Silva, massive, massive heartfelt congratulations. Yeah. Could not have said it better. Um, so great to see that. And speaking of things that we are looking forward to see, Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier two, 3 is coming up soon, July 10th. Um, so a little bit as, as a preview to that on this podcast, we will be doing our favorite fights from both Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier, just as like a super early preview. Um, Hunter, let's get started with that. What are your favorite fights, memories from Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor? Should I do both right here, or should we go like one at a time? Oh, uh, then... we could do one at a time. Whichever okay. one you start. You want to start with Dustin? I'll just start. Yeah, sure. I'll start with Dustin. I gotta say, my favorite Dustin memory or fight. I'm gonna go with fight. Just, uh, just Dustin uh, versus Justin Gaethje. You know, Justin Gaethje versus Dustin Poirier was one of the best lightweight fights in my opinion. I think I had it at number three in our lightweight episode, maybe number two. But that fight was just so back and forth, so technically drawn. And you got to look at the implications of this fight too. You know, Dustin Poirier, he was the old dog in the UFC. You know, he's been here for a while. He's paid in full. He's worked his way to the top and he's worked his way to the top through a killer of fighters. Justin Gaethje, on the other hand, you know, he's a killer himself too, but he's new to the UFC. You know, I think, I don't, was he coming off his loss to Eddie Alvarez yet? Or did uh, Dustin Poirier hand him his first loss in the UFC? I can't remember exactly. I think it might've been after. It was Eddie Alvarez then Dustin Poirier. Right. Okay. So, you know, everyone still had high hopes for Justin Gaethje here. You know, he was a fantastic fighter. He still is a fantastic fighter. And they're both at the top of their game right now. But just to see these two go at it so early on in there, like we say early on here because it's four years later, but um, and they're still at the top of their division. But to see them fight four years ago in 2017, or I think maybe 18, but uh, it was a fantastic fight all in itself, you know. Dustin Poirier was battling through adversity with a few eye pokes. Justin Gaethje was getting rocked and Dustin Poirier's leg looked terrible, but Dustin Poirier didn't care about that because he just had the heart to keep going. He got rocked with fantastic or amazing shots by Justin Gaethje, but he couldn't put them away until the fourth round where Dustin Poirier landed some fantastic shots and ended it early. And that shot of him getting the interim belt at least, or not belt, but at least the referee holding him back, uh, when Justin Gaethje was on the ground, he's kind of screaming. You know, he's got all the emotion. One of my favorite just pictures of MMA ever. It's just so fantastic to see. Man, what a just what a shot! You know, if 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 I didn't have my number one that I'm going to say now, that would have been my number one. But my number one is the Max Holloway fight. Mm-hmm. 
And I was going to say the Alvarez fight as well, but this has to be my number one. This is one of the greatest boxing, striking, mixed martial arts bouts I've ever seen in my life. And one of the greatest I probably ever will see. Two of the most likable, amazing ambassadors for our sport that you could find anywhere going at it and just non-stop rock and sock and boxing for 25 straight minutes. Neither man backing up, neither man falling down, just clean, crisp striking for 25 minutes and a worthy fight of the year contender for, I think it was, was it a couple of years ago now? It was 2019, I think. Yeah, for 2019. And that's it just epitomizes everything about Dustin Poirier, the comeback, nearly getting cut, fighting someone like Holloway. In my opinion, arguably the greatest 145er there's ever been. Um, you know, and seeing the gold wrapped around his waist is really what topped it for me. If there hadn't been the gold in this fight, I'd have probably said one of the other ones. But to see him win the gold against someone like Max Holloway, that just that just topped it off for me. And I know this isn't the question that we were asked, but I'm actually going to make a bit of a controversial statement here. If Poirier beats McGregor again and Poirier gets the gold again against Oliveira, Poirier's the greatest lightweight ever for me. Oh, yeah, I'm saying it. I'm saying it. I'm saying it now. And the reason I'm saying it is I have got so much deep rooted respect for Dustin Poirier. You know, I remember after the McGregor fight, McGregor's stock went like this, and Poirier's stock went like this. He was on the verge of getting cut after that fight. Did he give up? Did he go out wimping in his last fight? No, he did not. He came back. He stormed back up through the 145 ranks, came back up through the 155 ranks, got the belt against, well, the interim belt against Holloway, came the closest to beating Khabib Nurmagomedov out of anybody ever. Let's not forget that too. And just one of the most respectful and amazing human beings and ambassadors, like I said, that our sport could ever find. And I think if you take his come up story from almost being nearly cut to potentially in two fights being the undisputed lightweight champion ever, I think that story is worthy of a fighter who's the greatest. That's a that's a very interesting topic. I, I see. I don't. I almost want to like start adding on to that, but I feel like that could be a whole other uh, conversation in its own, a whole other topic in its own. Yeah, for Dustin, I mean, I love. I would. I was actually planning on saying the Max Holloway fight, the Dustin Poirier Max Holloway fight, just because it's the gold and everything. Obviously, Gaethje is it was is up there too. And I'm gonna go for one that's a bit obscure, but I'm gonna throw it out there just to be a little bit different and one that I really do have up there. Um, as one of my favorite Dustin Poirier fights moments is uh, the 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 um, uh, what sorry I'm forgetting his name Dan Hooker fight. I think that oh, fight was fantastic fight, very, very good fight. It was a legendary fight back and forth, um, but it was a very important fight for Dustin Poirier's career because, like you guys said, downward trajectory after the Connor fight, and he worked himself all the way back up, got gold, fought Habib, and then lost. And then it's how do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Can Dustin Poirier? bring himself back up after having the surgery, after being really not even fully healthy for that fight, the absolute war that those guys put on for, for three rounds. And Dustin Poirier was losing early. He lost the first two rounds, in my opinion, and fought back to win the rest of the fight. Uh, it's an absolutely legendary moment by a legendary fighter in Dustin Poirier, and it set him all along his path to 
fighting Connor and beating Connor and putting himself back in a situation where we're talking about him again. Just the work ethic and the the will to keep going no matter what from Dustin Poirier, I think, showed in this fight and showed his true character in this fight as well. This fight is what Dustin Poirier is about. No matter how much he's down, no matter what's going on, he will come back and he will continue to keep throwing and everything. Um, that's why I have it up there, and that's why I will say that is my favorite Dustin Poirier moment because it put him on that path. It's one of those sneaky fights that no one talks about. Dan Hooker, he, he was on the, the path that he was on, the streak that he was on, and how he was fighting in that fight was unbelievable as well and showed why he needed to be up there. Um, for Dustin Poirier to fight through the adversity after losing to Habib, um, all that work being gone uh, is, is a huge moment not only for him but for the sport. Um, and it's, it's a very, it's a very interesting part in time. Um, so now let's, let's go to Connor. So this, another, uh, great fight. I mean, obviously these two fighters are so great. They're just the, the two moments that, that, that you can pick. It's so hard to pick a moment. Um, now, especially from Connor McGregor, Hunter gets started. If you can pick one, what would be a, a fighter moment from Connor? So before that, I'm just going to comment on that Dustin Poirier oh, sure, fight because sure. I love that Dustin Poirier fight. It's so great. And it's almost like it's almost like a story. It's like a, it's like a book right. being read to us because he won those championship rounds. It kind of defined him. Like we, as soon as he won those championship rounds, I had it in my mind that he's the new champion after Khabib retires. And Khabib retired, he's the champion. You know, that's all I wanted to say because those championship rounds mean a lot, especially in those Definitely. five round fights. And if Dustin Poirier has the mentality to win those fights and win those rounds, he should be champion here. But uh, on to Conor McGregor here. Conor McGregor has so many great moments. You know, he's he is really, truly the superstar of the UFC. And any any fight you pick out of here could be used as one of the greatest moments for Conor McGregor. But for me, I have to say it's the Eddie Alvarez fight. Uh, it's hard for me not to because as soon as he went out there and did what he did against Eddie Alvarez, everyone's kind of looking at each other and going, holy shit, this guy is really the real deal. This guy is going to be the greatest of all time. He is the GOAT. He talks a smack. He backs it up. He knocks out Jose Aldo in seven sec or 13 seconds, whatever. And he goes out there and just absolutely decimates Eddie Alvarez on the feet where Eddie Alvarez is usually pretty decent. So I, that, that right there cemented Conor McGregor being one of the greatest of all times just in my head and him getting the double champ status for the first time. How can you not pick this as your option? You know, it's, it's, it's hard for me because when you see Conor McGregor, you see the iconic photo of him holding the two belts. So that fight has right there has to kind of be my pick for the greatest Conor McGregor moment or even fight in the octagon, just Eddie Alvarez. That's an unbelievable pick, but I'm going to go back and I'm going to trace it back to the very beginning when he got the first belt of the two. And I'm talking about the Chad Mendes fight. Uh, you know, I remember this so, so clearly in my own head because, you know, obviously I'm Irish. You guys know where I'm from. You know what I'm about. And this fight changed a nation on their combat sports appreciation. If you're from anywhere else in the world, if you're from England, if you're from the States, if you're from Australia, it's very hard to comprehend the impact this fight had because, uh, you know, the poor A fight, Marcus Brimage, Dennis Seaver, everybody's like, oh, okay, this is some Irish fighter. He's good. He's good. He's, he's winning. He's doing his thing. I cannot overemphasize how much the Chad Mendes fight exploded Conor McGregor's popularity and what it did for Ireland and Irish combat sports. McGregor was here. 
the Chad Mendes fight launched him into the stratosphere of really where he is now. You can trace all the money, the yachts, whatever it is that he has. You can trace it back to that fight in 2015, arguably the greatest UFC card ever, UFC 189, which he headlined. And this was the first time the Irish invaded Las Vegas as well. I remember it. I remember I was in America on holiday at the time. I saw the Irish flags on the news in Las Vegas. Thousands and thousands of my countrymen and women on the Las Vegas Strip going apeshit for this guy from Dublin who just had started a movement. I mean... The reason mixed martial arts are even a thing here in Ireland, the reason we have new fighters coming out, the reason it's even popular is because of Conor McGregor. I mean, irrespective of what he's become, you cannot deny who he was and what he did for the sport in this part of the world. And that's, and I haven't even started talking about the fight itself. This was the first time he faced a wrestler. Everybody said, Mendes is going to take him down. Mendes is going to top him out. Mendes did take him down, but Mendes did not tap him out. Mendes couldn't get the job done. McGregor got back to the feet, and Chad Mendes knew in his own eyes he was defeated from that moment onwards. Teep kicked to the body, right hand, left hand. He falls against the cage. Ireland has its first ever world champion in mixed martial arts. And that moment with the bleeding tricolor draped across his shoulder with the belt, with his family, that's the beginning. Hunters picked the arguably the best point in the peak of the McGregor era. This moment is the beginning. I love that so much. And I feel like I should choose Josie Aldo now, right? Because uh, according to that, it's right in the middle. I am going to go with Eddie Alvarez, though, and it's because of what Hunter said. Um, it is absolute peak McGregor. After that, unfortunately, it all goes downhill. Um, because, yeah, you know, I, he had the, the boxing fight and everything. But, hey, that being said, just – it was the last statement of what will really happen here. It's Conor McGregor has already done so much. He's already defied the odds so many times, becoming the UFC champion. Every single fight, he, he's always saying these things, and people will continue to doubt him. Going into this fight, this was the last time anybody doubted him. And once people stop doubting him, that's when he starts losing, ironically. But um, this fight was so this fight was so huge. Uh, Eddie Alvarez becoming the champion. He was a very strong champion. He's bigger. Uh, going up to that weight class. Um, and there were so many questions going into it. Can Connor do that? And it was for the first ever champ champ status. He's the one that started all of this simultaneously. Obviously, there had been, you know, double champions, but not at the same time. And he did that. And it was unbelievable to see another great card, UFC 205, first ever card in UFC card in MSG, which was unbelievable to see as well. Um, and he got it done. He got it Shout done. Shout out in New York, by the way. Yes, Amazing yeah, yeah. study for fights. Uh, it really and it for fights in general and has absolutely opened up to MMA for sure. And that fight was unbelievable and everybody losing their minds. Just we talk about one of some of the greatest performances ever, and you have to put that in there for some one of the greatest performances ever. He did not have a bad moment in that fight, and it was unbelievable to see top to bottom a great card and Conor McGregor just doing it, seriously doing it, becoming the champ champ, uh, validating everything he'd said. And I think a large part of the reason for the downfall of McGregor or where what got him to where he's at today is because of that moment, because he had done everything so quickly and accomplished everything so fast. It's just, there's nothing left to really do. Obviously we, we, we disagree and we say, Oh, you want to defend the belt and everything, but he had, he had accomplished everything he did. Like he said, he had 
brought his entire nation over and they had taken over the sport. And it is just so amazing to see what a great moment from Conor McGregor and what a great um, thing for anyone to witness. And he really just changed the sport as a whole um, and brought so many more people into it and everything just for himself, absolute peak McGregor. Um, I love the Mendez shout, obviously. We talk about that one so much, but for me, probably my favorite would be uh, the, the Eddie Alvarez UFC 205 moment. Um, so some great stuff there. And let's get into the fan questions. Again, thank you guys so much for dropping these fan questions in. And we're getting started off right here. There's no break with these. Will Israel Adesanya versus Robert, Robert Whitaker 2 be more competitive than the first one? Hunter, get us started. Yes. Yes, yes, it will be. <laughs> yes, it will be. Yeah. Uh, Robert Whitaker is looking fantastic right now. He's been out. He's beat three top five. Actually, well, two top fives one in the top 10, but still, these are no slouch of fighters. You know, they're fantastic fighters and he's going out there and he's piecing them together and he's doing what he usually does here. Robert Whitaker had a death's row of fighters. He had to go through to even get to the top of the division and he's doing it again. And this is just, I feel like it's a redemption story for Robert Whitaker here. Israel on a side, on the other hand, he's doing fantastic too. It's hard for me to not take away from Izzy. He's got some fantastic defenses in his division. He even tried going up there to get a double champ status. Couldn't exactly do that, but I'm not going to blame his actual ability for that. I'm going to blame his mental for that. You know, he should have weighed in on the exact weight. You know, he should have went up to 205, should have put some muscle on. There's so many shoulds, but when it comes down to middleweight, he truly is the middleweight champ right now. He's, he's doing fantastic. He's going out there. He's making everyone look like chumps. Marvin Vittori didn't even stand a chance in that fight. Like you lock, you watch that fight and you're like, man, how dominant is this performance right here? And I don't think that's what's going to happen with the Robert Whitaker fight. I think Robert Whitaker is going to go out there. He's going to show a lot more heart. Um, and I think he's going to be able to mix it up better than all the, his previous opponents have before, including himself. You know, I think Robert Whitaker had a hard time gauging distance in the first fight and trying to blitz on the way on the inside. Cause everyone who tries to blitz Izzy eventually gets knocked out. So anyone who uh, tries practicing against that and keeps practicing, it's going to hopefully work the next time around. But with Izzy, it's going to be a lot harder because he's really learned his breathing techniques. You know, if you look at that Marvin Vittori fight, his gas tank and cardio was absolutely amazing. He wasn't breathing out of his mouth at the end of the fifth round. That kind of shows you that Izzy's a whole new fighter too. So do I think the outcome's going to change? That's a whole other question. Do I think it's going to be more competitive? For surely. Yes. Just, yeah. just yes. That, that is my only answer. No, um, it's an amazing question. Uh, whoever it was you sent it in, thank you very much for it. Um, yeah, it, it's very hard to deviate from what Hunter's just told you because I fully agree with him. Is this going to be a more competitive fight? You can bet anything it will be. One thing Robert Whitaker gets nowhere near, frankly, enough credit for is his intelligence and his IQ. Yes. He's one of the most fluid and adaptable fighters I've ever seen, especially in mixed martial arts. He can adapt his game plan to anybody, and he is willing to learn and to adapt when he needs to. Granted, in the first Izzy fight, he didn't really get the chance to because Izzy came out very aggressively. And once he sensed that Whitaker had his judgment wrong in the timing, he went for the kill and he finished him in the second round. Credit to Izzy, absolutely. 
That being said, do I think Izzy's just going to steamroll Whitaker again? No, I do not. I think this is going to be a much closer fight than the first one. I think Whitaker's going to have his distance gauged far better. He's going to have more faith in his job, and he's going to have that faith in the famous left-right high-kick combo that he always lands. It's literally like he's playing UFC 4, and he knows he can <laughs> land it against anyone. I ain't getting paid for that, by the, by the way, and I should be. <laughs> just, just kidding. Um. But in all seriousness, it's going to be a close fight. It really is. And the other factor that we have to consider is the wrestling. Because in his last two fights, and I'm not saying this is a knock against Israel Adesanya because I think he's an elite, elite fighter, but he's proven he can be taken down. long as you can get close enough to him, you can take him down. Jan Blakovic at 205, a little bit of an anomaly because that's everything Hunter just outlined with 205. But Marvin Vittori took Adesanya down three times. And I think Whitaker's three times the wrestler Vittori is. So realistically, I think not only can Robert Whitaker get Adesanya down, I think he can do better work on the ground. I think he can keep him there for longer. And I think he can inflict more damage for a longer period of time as well. Again, not to be a repeat of Hunter, but is it going to change the outcome I think that's a very different question that we're talking about there. Is it going to be a closer fight? I have very little question that it is. And the closer we get to this fight, I have no doubt we'll be breaking it down much more technically and in terms of our predictions. But the moment I, well, obviously I knew it was coming, but as soon as I heard the back and forth between Adesanya and Whitaker, for some really weird reason, split decision came into my head and I don't know why. For some reason, split decision just started coming to me and I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think Adesanya could get a split decision preliminarily when they fight because trust me, the Reaper's going to bring his full arsenal this time. To follow you guys, yes. (laughs) (laughs) To to the question, yeah, I I agree. Um, Keelan, that's a very interesting insight. I don't know. I think it's going to be very close. I, I don't really, I can't predict it this far out. I'll wait till the fight being officially booked and everything. But um, I don't know. It's very interesting. Robert Whitaker, let's look at the first off, before we get into the fight itself, the, the second fight being booked, let's look at the circumstances going into the first fight. Robert Whitaker has been gone through two absolute wars with Yoel Romero and taken some of the punishment that no human on earth could withstand in that Yoel Romero fight, both of them. Um, then before that, it was an interim, so Israel Adesanya was already the interim champ because Robert Wendriger had multiple medical issues, including having to donate bone marrow and things like that. So mentally, you know for a fact he's not 100% ready to go. Physically, he's not ready to go either, but they have to keep the show going because the middleweight division has been held up to a certain extent where they have to get the belt going. Um, that being said, Israel Adesanya going into that is such a good fighter and such a, a, a legendary fighter that he absolutely did win that fight. So no, I'm not taking anything away from Israel Adesanya. I'm just saying why well, I don't think Robert Whitaker was his best going into that night. We look at what you've done now. What champion that has been that long as Robert Whitaker has taken that, not been giving a, a title show almost, has not been giving an immediate title shot, but much less having to been fight three top contenders before he gets to fight again. Nobody is ridiculous. So the fact that he's had to do that, the fact that he has done that, the fact that he's won versus elite, elite competition, getting dropped by Darren Till in the first round by that elbow was such a big moment because I was like, oh, maybe we're seeing the end of Robert Whitaker. But no, he fought back. 
much like we talked about Dustin Poirier, he fought back and look what these look what his careers looked like since then. I think it's going to look very, very incredible. Um, I'm picking backing off of you guys again. I agree. I don't know what the outcome of this fight will be, but Robert Whitaker will be more game and ready to go for the second fight, I do think, um, than he was for the first one. Uh, and, and just just by what we've seen too, the wrestling is a fascinating point that you just made, um, and, and I do agree with it. I think I don't know if Robert Whitaker's wrestling is necessarily better than Vittori's, but his striking is five times better than Vittori's, which makes such a huge difference because the size obviously was a huge point in the fight versus Vlakovic, but one of the reasons why Vlakovic was successful in getting him down was because of the striking back and forth. Robert Whitaker has elite, elite striking. Um, can he match that with Israel Adesanya? That's the big question because he's been able to outstrike everyone else. Can he be that normal Robert Whitaker against Israel Adesanya? That's the big question going into that fight for me and what will determine the outcome. Um, just a little interesting point there that I'm thinking. Um, but yeah, it'll be very competitive. Thank you for the question. And I think obviously that is the middleweight fight that we are all wanting to see, hoping to see um, and, and, and praying that that does happen very, very soon. Yeah, no, I agree. You take a look at mixed martial artists in the dictionary, a picture of Robert Whitaker will show up. Let's be honest here, guys. The way Robert Whitaker can present a challenge as opposed to Marvin Vittori is that he need, he can mix it up. He can simply mix it up. That's the best way to say it. Um, I feel like his keys to victory here, he needs to definitely establish the takedown early. You know, and he, he needs to get Israel on inside thinking in the later rounds that, Robert Whitaker, Robert might shoot for this takedown here. You know, uh, the third, fourth, fifth round, he needs to just show off that I could take you down here or I can stay on my feet. It's my yeah. choice to do whatever I want here. If it's the first two rounds, he needs to land one or two takedowns. Boom. He's golden. He's going to be inside Izzy's head and Izzy's going to be second guessing himself. And that's the, that's where Robert Whitaker comes in the best when you're starting to second guess yourself, because he, like we talked about before, he is so smart, you know, we talked about like a, a fight IQ. His is through the roof. Uh, there's not many champions in uh, any weight division that can think like, like Robert Whitaker can. He knows when he's behind and he knows what he has to do to adjust his fight to, to win the fight. And that's what I feel like makes a champion right here. So I'm not going to really give my prediction. It may sound like I gave my prediction right now, but I really don't have it just yet. So uh, just be prepared because it's definitely going to be a lot more competitive. Yeah, um, I love that. I really do. Um, Israel Adesanya is very confident, and some would say he's even arrogant, but he is a million and one miles from being stupid, and he knows Robert Whitaker is five times the challenge Marvin Vittori will respectfully ever be. And yeah, Israel Adesanya may be confident while he is confident, and many would consider him to be arrogant, but he is a million and one miles from being stupid, and he knows that Bobby Knuckles is by far the toughest threat that he's probably ever going to face now that Yoel Romero is sadly gone, rest in pieces, Yoel. <laughs> um, but yeah, on a, on a serious note... Um, Bobby Knuckles' intelligence and his ability to adapt is what's going to either win or lose this fight. As far as I'm concerned, he can level change seriously when he needs to. Um, 
I actually love Hunter's tactical point there, and it's one that I agree with and one that I'm going to expound on. If he gets a takedown or two in the first two rounds, those are the key, the first two rounds. If he can get that done, that is going to burrow in the back of Adesanya's mind because the longer this fight goes on, he's going to know that Whitaker can use his full arsenal against him. His wrestling's elite, his boxing's elite, his jiu-jitsu is extremely good. And Adesanya is going to want to finish this fight early because the longer it goes on, Robert Whitaker does not fade. If anything, he gets slightly better the longer rounds go on. A very rare phenomenon in its own right. But it's going to be tough for Adesanya. And anybody writing Robert Whitaker off, write him off at your own peril because I sure as hell am not. And I'm sure you guys aren't either. Uh, you know, Whitaker can take this fight anywhere he needs to. And he is comfortable no matter where this fight goes. Be under no illusion. Like I've just said, his wrestling, different level. His boxing, different level. And Adesanya's got a lot of weapons that he really, really should be concerned about because he is going to face the full battery of firepower that Robert Whitaker has. And to see that chess match is going to be a sight to behold. So for the love of every entity that exists, don't do not miss this fight. Just just don't do it. It's going to be amazing. Oh, absolutely. Could not have said it better. I'm so excited for this fight already. It hasn't even been booked yet, but we all know that is absolutely the fight to make. Uh, whether the UFC pulls through on it or not, we'll, it's, we'll yet to see, but uh, at Dana. we all are looking forward for it. Yes, absolutely. Um, so now another fan question that we have, and this one is equally as fascinating, and I saved it for last because I think it is just so interesting of a question. Um, it's about what nations, nation, nations, have we seen that have had the best caliber of fighters throughout the course of MMA history, not just the UFC, MMA history? Uh, Hunter, starting with you, what do you think about this? This one's tough. You know, it really is. I was debating in my head, and everything in my mind wants to tell me USA, but I'm going to have to go with Brazil here. I think Brazil has bred some of the greatest fighters of all time. We take a look at Anderson Silva, you know, Silva. Uh, we take a look at Charles Oliveira, and the list goes on and on and on and on. And that's not just because of their Brazilian jiu-jitsu base. That's just because their general toughness. You know, they breed some absolute killers that step in the octagon. And we take a look at the past in the UFC. They just have some of the best fighters, you know, and most entertaining fighters to watch. They're so emotionally invested into the sport that it's hard for me not to feel for them, too. Um don't get me wrong, all nations breed some fantastic fighters, but Brazil, in my mind, breeds some of the best. I'm kind of screwed out of being biased here because I only have right. one guy I can fall back on and he's gone. So yeah, he's I, I, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, I really just because of Carmen McGregor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Joe Duffy, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, <laughs> uh, shout out my guy. Um, no, the, there's so many great nations. You know, a lot of people will think the United States or Brazil, extremely good reasons to. You know, they do produce some of the cream of the crop. We have Canada. You know, George Saint Pierre, Carlos yeah. Newton, Rory McDonald. We have Holland, Basel, Guapo, Rutten, Melvin Manhoff, Raymond Drakens, and kickboxing. There's just, there are so many places. Um, Europe, I think, is a very untapped gold mine at the moment because obviously the mixed martial arts in Europe spreading has only really started to happen in the last five years or so. So it's still really a burgeoning prospect, if you will. Um, 
I think if I have to pick one nation, and sadly, I can't think of any reasons why I can be truly imaginative, I'm going to have to put on my Hulk Hogan real American attire and go to the States because the US has just produced so many good fighters. And realistically, you could name 20 easily. Matt Hughes, Dustin Poirier, Stipe Miocic, technically Croatian, European, but we'll count him as American because he is. Uh, you know, America's just produced pretty much nearly every great fighter there's ever been. And many of my favorite fighters I've ever seen, Randy Couture, John, well, John Jones, before all that, John <laughs> Jones, just you saw right. if you're watching this, I don't endorse any violations of your policies. Uh, not your door at 2 a.m., yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gonna be, they're going to be at my house in an hour. <laughs> um, All right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Chuck Liddell, guys like that. America's just produced so many amazing fighters in every division, really. You know, uh, just all the guys that I admired watching up or growing up and in every company as well, like even back in the good old pride days, Rampage, guys like that too. So Brazil would have been my number one shot probably, but I fully understand why Hunter took it and he was clever too. But the good old uh, Star Spangled Banner is going to be my decision. I love it. I absolutely love it. Yes, it's so tough to go between. I would say we have had a big two for the longest time in USA and, USA and Brazil. Um, I think that a lot of the best fighters have come from there. And I'm going to add a big three to this one. And, and not necessarily I think that they are the best nation of fighters, but they are a deep rooted in the, the history of MMA. And I would probably go with US, USA or Brazil as my number one, just saying. But for nations and fighting, I would, put, I would add Russia to the big three now as well. Um, going back, you have Fedor. You talk about Habib Nurmagomedov and all of the fighters. Every card now, you have a a Russian fighter just dominating, add, adding stuff on there. I mean, think about all the upcoming talent that we have. Uh, um, Zabit Magomed Shripov is, is one. Uh, you have Magomed Ankalev in heavyweight. You have, uh, obviously, Islam Makachev, all the, the Umar, Usman, Nurmagomedov. Uh, there's a countless number of Russian fighters that are coming out of there. Um, and though they're not Russian, also the Georgian fighters in Giga Chikadze and Mirab Tevela Shelley um, coming up too. Um, just a lot of those fighters from those areas and those nations and the deep-rooted stuff from Russia and stuff, I would absolutely love to mention them, and, and that's why I will have them on this list as well. Um, Nigeria, you have Israel Adesanya, yes. uh, Kamara Usman, uh, two fighters from there. A lot, I, I love seeing the African stars starting to come up from also Cameroon uh, and Francis Ngannou. I just the, all of the nations in the UFC, all the stuff that we're getting to see, just even the one-offs like Conor McGregor from Ireland. No, I, I hate to say that because you do have. I, I do want to give credit to Joe Duffy and uh, and and Patty Houlihan back in the day too. Um, and, and but the majority, there's a lot of nations that have had one fire. Italy and, and Marvin Vittori. It's so great to see, and it's so great to see why our sport is so beautiful because you get so many different nations represented from fighters and stuff. And, and even if it's just one or two, it is so great to see. But as far as the big three, I would go with USA, Brazil, uh, and then Russia is pro probably my thinking behind it. Uh, and I think Russia, before I wouldn't even say there was a big three, but with what they've done in the recent years, just a complete takeover, uh, I would definitely have to include them. Yep. Yeah. I agree. I mean, Jan's a fantastic champ yes, right of now. Course. I mean, though he got disqualified, but he's he's Russian, you know. That's the beauty about UFC. 
it doesn't matter where you're from. It just matters the skill set that you can bring. Um, and every country that is showcased in the UFC gets a chance to gets a chance to shine. Really, you know, they get a chance to showcase what they're made of, and it's beautiful to see it. You know, whether whether it's the states, Brazil, Russia, anywhere you name it, there's going to be fighters in every single country. So bring them to the UFC because the UFC loves them. You know, I believe there's I think 25 different countries that or near, it's, it's approaching 25 different countries that the UFC's hosted in, you know, that's unbelievable. Let alone, I think there's around 70 different countries where there's fighters right. from that are registered in the UFC, you know, the UFC's taken over. It's, it's an absolute takeover of, of the sport of MMA and just all across the world. And I'm just so happy to see that the rise is happening right now. When the time when I, when all of us are rising up and we're all becoming fans and Everyone's starting to dive deeper and deeper. ESPN has signed a deal with us. You know, we have Venom Shorts is coming back. Uh, we were even signed by Reebok at one point. So just to even think that, that the sky is the limit for this sport, and it's going to be such an amazing time to see. And this UFC is only going to get better and better. So whether that be countries, sport, uh, the sport itself, combat rules, or just business, UFC has it. I'm actually going to make the top, th- the big three a top four. I'm going to add a fourth to the list. Mexico. Mexico is That's fascinating. I like yeah. that. I like that. Yeah. 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 Um, my boy, Ken Velasquez, Yair Rodriguez. Um, oh, who's the other one? I've just forgotten who the other one was. Brandon Moreno. Brandon Moreno. Shout out the assassin baby. Bit of an odd nickname, but I still like him anyway. Uh, Tony Ferguson, you can kind of yeah, claim he's Mexican because yeah, he's cool. proud of his heritage. Definitely, definitely. Diego Sanchez. Guy, yeah, Diego Sanchez as well. Um, just Mexico's, a, like I've said before many, many times, Mexico's an unbelievably pride-fighting country. And they're starting to get massively represented too, which I'm extremely happy about because they're an amazing country with amazing people and they deserve to be represented too. And you know, you had someone like Velasquez, who many would hold to be the best heavyweight ever. I would certainly, if that's ever a podcast episode, he would be in my top four. Uh, you know, we have Brandon Moreno, who looks like he could re- fly weight for a long time. Yair Rodriguez, one of the most exciting fighters in the world when he actually does fight. But yeah, there's so many things you could say. And one thing I love about the UFC especially is that it's like the Olympics for fighting. You know, nearly every nation's represented and everybody's got someone like Kyrgyzstan, Valentina and Antonina Shevchenko. Yeah. Even the most, what you would consider to be obscure nations, they have people representing them. And I think that's a very important thing. Nations like Finland with Makwan Amerkani, you know, nations like, do Iceland is Gunnar Nelson from Iceland? Uh, he, he, he fights out of Iceland. He fights out of Iceland. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, even Scandinavian countries like Iceland now, they're represented too. 15 years ago, we that would never would have happened. And that's a big thing for me about combat sports, especially the UFC. Everybody's getting a shot now. The UFC's opening up. It's going to every country. Like Hunter just said, they're approaching 25 nations that they've hosted in. That's incredible. And to see so many different nations represented and to see it so blended and unique, I think it's just a beautiful thing. It really, really is. Well said. Um, And a great fan question to end off the podcast. Thank you very much. 
great podcast, guys. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening. As always, please like and subscribe on YouTube. Make sure to listen to us everywhere, including iTunes and Spotify. Um, check us out on our Instagram at MMA.Island and all of our fantastic work on our website, MMAIsland.net. Again, everyone, so much. Thank you for listening and fantastic podcast, guys. Thank you, guys. Amazing. Thank you, everybody.